KXNO, Des Moines. The PSAs you hear on Miller & Condon and iHeartMedia Des Moines are presented in part by Nick Mick. We take care of our own. Now, here's Miller & Condon, live from the DraftKings Sportsbook at Wild Rose Studios. This is 1460 KXNO. KXNO in your pocket with iHeartRadio on your smartphone. This is Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Welcome back, Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, 11 o'clock hour. He is upon us. Congratulations to Jeffrey Potoff. He won the tickets uh, to see Penn State versus Iowa. Your opportunity to see Purdue homecoming, 11 o'clock, two weeks, one week from Saturday. (laughs) Yes, yes. Uh, we'll uh, give you that opportunity throughout the week. It's the same deal. KXNO.com. Click the contest link. How many points will be scored? Penn State versus Iowa. If you are right, uh, we don't need to know who wins. Just total points. You'll get the tickets to see Purdue. Right now, Bama Bob joins us as we go around college football. Bama, Trent, and Ken, good to speak with you. How are you? Doing great. Did anybody have 13 on Iowa-Michigan, by the way? Every single one of our contestants went over, Bama. Every single oh one. Oh, God. Yeah, that Call was... That an ugly baby would be an insult to ugly babies everywhere. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, that was that was anyway. d- difficult to watch at times. No doubt. I, you know, I can get into 10-3 football games, but it was the way the 10-3 uh, unfolded. No. Six times into Michigan territory, Jeez. three points yeah. out of it. And, the, and Michigan, when, when did they score their final points? Like nine? Nine minutes left in the first quarter. Yep, and that was yeah, it. it. It was. I mean, I'm with you. I can appreciate, and I and I enjoy hard hitting, defensive, mm-hmm. good football. But I mean, there's a difference between good defense, which I think both these teams probably have. And bad offense, which I know both these teams have. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was uh, that was not good. Hey, just real quick before we go around the Power Five, you know what kind of what conference is sneaking up on me, and um, and I'll get both of your takes on this. The AAC has provided us with some fun games, Bama, uh, and this week was was no difference, right? Going back to Friday night, Cincinnati pulling one mm-hmm. out. They're playing some ball in that conference. They are, and I mean, you throw Memphis in there, yeah. that's a good team. SMU? You know, we know about SMU, we know about UCF in mm-hmm. the past, although that seems like that ship has sailed uh, this year. Yep. Uh, but you mentioned Cincinnati, they've already beaten UCLA, uh, which, you know, puts <laughs> right. them right in par with Oregon, with Oregon State. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, it, it, it is good football, and it's probably, I don't know if they have the best, you know, group of five team in there. They probably do. I just, I'm not exactly mm, sure maybe. Cincinnati or Memphis, you know, yeah. but you got a Boise and yeah. BYU probably in that mix. But, you know, also I, I think they have the best, you know, non a group of five conference without question. Mm. I mean, there, I don't think there's any question about, you know, them being better than the mountain West or some other of these, uh, you know, group of five conferences. I don't know if they have the best team. They have the best conference. Yeah, no doubt. It's been fun. Trent, you you had Cincinnati Friday, didn't you? I had Cincinnati. I had uh, SMU going down to Tulsa, though Tulsa covered the number, which is a good one. Bama, you're giving me crap with taking all those points. That's how you get winners. (laughs) I don't want to give you crap. It was just... It was funny when you see it on Twitter. It's like, oh my God, does that man love himself some points? Five and zero, five and zero, Bama. He was the perfecto for my uh, partner Trent Condon here. Nine and one in the last couple of weeks. Hey, the uh, as good as the AAC was this weekend. The AAC this 
what a tough weekend Gross. in the uh, in the ACC, Bama. I mean, just can you find something to highlight? I guess as we go around the Power Five conferences, your takeaway from the ACC, and you have to have one. What was it? That you know, at least Virginia didn't lose. Yeah, maybe. You know, they were on a bye week. I mean, <laughs> it, it. I don't know who's going to come out of that. You know, the division opposite Clemson. I can never remember which one. I think it's the Atlantic. Yep. But uh, um, you know, listen, that that was ugly. Virginia Tech, Miami was ugly football. Um, you know, North Carolina. They're they're up one week. They're down the next. Uh, I don't know. I just. It looks to me. I mean, Trent's been on them all year. I think they're up. They're ranked twentieth right now, I believe. Um, they'll probably lose somewhere along the way. Like you know, um, you know, even though I know they lost to Notre Dame, but and I don't think that counts as a conference loss. Although I can't keep up with it um, with Notre Dame and the ACC, but um, it's probably going to be Virginia and you know, and Clemson. I think is, is probably what we're looking at, and probably a twenty-eight to six game. It'll be boring and. This is a problem yeah. for the ACC. I mean, they they need Florida State. Yes, they do. They it's need a the big U. Problem. It, yeah. Clemson. There very well could be a circumstance where Clemson loses a game to one of these and gets left out. And gets left out. Mm-hmm. They have the benefit of the doubt yeah. right now, but one bad appearance in a college football playoff that'll go away quickly. This is trouble time, I think, for the conference. Yeah, but, I totally agree. And that part of the reason is they haven't looked good and just mowing down all this. Crap. I mean, we know the, the the tight game against North Carolina. They haven't they haven't looked great like a juggernaut. I mean, and you know, you see Alabama just blowing the doors off of people, and it's bad competition. I get it, but Clemson hasn't done that, and there's no, you know, there's no circumstance where anybody's going to convince me that there's parity in the ACC. Mm-hmm. There's a bunch of crap mm-hmm. in the ACC, and if you're Clemson. You need to cut. Now, maybe they're bored. I don't know. Playing the same, you know, junk every year, and they know they're going to be good. But, I mean, you're right. I mean, you stop and think before Clemson arrived on the scene, it was Florida State, it was Miami, and it was Virginia Tech. And those three teams really, you know, a decade ago were, were the ones that kind of beat up on each other. And then Clemson kind of came along and joined the party. And now everybody else has left the party. It, I don't know. It's just really bad. And you're right. Clemson, to me, is the one team that really has no margin for error because if they lose to one of these slogs yeah. anywhere along the way, yeah. I don't know that they're going to be able to make it up. I, I'm with you. Let's move on to the Big 12. Trent, we'll start with you. Uh, of the five games, I think it, uh, four of them taught me something this weekend, mm-hmm. You know, with the exception of Oklahoma-Kansas. Maybe it was closer than you'd think, uh, unless Miles fires his OC after the games. But um, you know, your takeaway from the Big 12, Trent? You know, my biggest one is we've sung the praises of Spencer Sanders a lot here yes, in this program, have. and he was a guy I believed in coming into the year. He turned it over a bunch again on Saturday, lose to a Texas Tech team that was still playing without Bowman. That's a bad loss mm-hmm. to take. That's one if you're going to be competing in the top half. you got to win those kind of road games, and it certainly didn't happen there. Spencer Sanders will be good. Right now I'm not sure how good he is, and with it, I'm not sure how good Oklahoma State is. Yeah, Hubbard uh, got his uh, got his yards in the football game. Yeah, but Duffy, the backup for Texas Tech, was unbelievable. He did some damage. Look, we knew Oklahoma State's um, Achilles heel was clearly the defensive side of the football, and Texas Tech lit him up. Your takeaway on the Big 12 this weekend, Bama? Well, a couple of them. I mean, a good road win for Texas. Again, yep. we talk about it all the time. That's a hard – I mean, I don't care how good West Virginia is or isn't. That is a tough road trip mm-hmm. to Morgantown, West Virginia. It's just an outlier. You know, they sit out there you know, by themselves. Iowa State goes there this week. Um, 
you know, I was a little bit, listen, the game was never going to be in doubt, but, you know, Kansas just showing a little bit of spunk against Oklahoma. I mean, in the years past, this would have been, what, 66-3, to <laughs> something like that. Um, I mean, a little bit of fight. You can tell the talent level is just, there's just such a disparity uh, in the talent level. The other thing, it really didn't happen this week. I guess it was more last week. Man, that Baylor loss for Iowa mm-hmm. State, I think, is going to really come back and hurt them at the end of the year because, it, you know, right now it looks like Oklahoma and Texas, I think they play this week. They do. Um, and, you know, so somebody's got to lose, which means that Iowa State's going to have to beat whoever loses, I think, to get back in. And then, you know, Baylor still has their shot. So I think the, the maybe the most pivotal game other than Oklahoma-Texas out of the Big 12 happened last week with Iowa State and Baylor. Yeah, that was um, yeah, you you just wonder if that's going to come back and haunt them, right? I'm with you, Bama. That was one that felt uh, I don't know if it burst the bubble or burst any hopes because you got to think that Baylor's going to lose a couple of football games, but as you, you mentioned, so. now Baylor's got that uh, head-to-head uh, over Iowa State. My takeaway, I'm with you kind of, Bama, on the uh, West Virginia. They play Texas tough. Uh, they hung with them in the football game. I was impressed by Texas Tech. Baylor looked good. Iowa State looked good. It was a good weekend, I thought, overall uh, in the Big 12. Fun to watch. Let's move on to the Big 10. Bama, we'll start with you. Takeaway uh, from the uh, Big Ten this past weekend was what? Uh, it's just going to be Ohio State and Penn State, I think. Uh, Wisconsin, at least in the East. Um, listen, don't Wisconsin clear favorite out of the West. Uh, I don't think there's any question. But, Ken, your Gophers, man, they got it. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, I know we'll preview it this week, but they get by Nebraska this week. And I love that game being at night. Me too. For God's sake, play it in colder. It's, you know, the weather's going to turn a little bit. It's what you want out of Big Ten football. Don't play at 11 o'clock in the afternoon in the sunshine or whatever. Um, I just, listen, they get by Nebraska. The Penn State game at that point is just basically gravy um, because they're going to have their shot against Iowa and Wisconsin at the end. So don't sleep on the Gophers. We talked about Iowa and Michigan. That it was just so ugly. Um, Ohio State. I don't. I don't know if Penn State can hang with them. We'll find out in a few weeks. But man, that that offense just looks like a juggernaut. And then another ugly baby. Uh, I guess over in Lincoln, Nebraska, mm. Northwestern. Oh, God. you see the end of that, that game, Bama. I did not see the end of it. I read about it. Did not see the end. I, that's um, just the most egregious miscall. And, and look, at, I know that Nebraska fans will very quickly come back and, oh, yeah, well, they missed a bunch of calls early against us. And that may well be true. But you cannot end yeah. a football game. This guy's the, the linebacker just stepped right in front of the receiver, knocked him completely out of the route, and the ball was picked off and the game was sealed at that point. And how none of the officials could reach for their flag and throw it up. I mean, it's as egregious of an ending as you're going to see. But you're right, it wasn't yeah. the prettiest of games by any means. No, not at all. And you hate that it you know, is overshadowed by that. The good thing is, I guess, not a good thing, the officiating, you know, poor officiating is never good, but probably not going to matter in the grand scheme of things, right. certainly nationally yeah. for either one of these teams. But, yeah, you know, still, you know, these things put a lot. They put an awful lot into week to week. Okay, mm-hmm. and all you want is a fair shake. And I agree with you. I think Northwestern didn't get that. Uh, how about you, Trent? Here's one for you. Uh, I guess it was not a Chris Ash problem at Rutgers. <laughs> no, they, they, they stink even without him. <laughs> surprise, surprise to the Iowa guy that the Iowa guy that was fired there. Not exactly his fault. 
Shiano appears to be the front runner there, but Rutgers stinks overall. Yeah, they do. Penn State, uh, look, Purdue's got a ton of injuries, yeah. but Penn State looked good in the football game. Clifford is doing things out of the quarterback spot through another three touchdowns. We'll get here to see him up close and personal Saturday night at Kinnick Stadium. Uh, I'm with you on Bama on the Minnesota game being at night. It's just too bad. There's just so damn much going on uh, this, yeah. this coming Saturday. Here, here's the slate of games starting at 6.30, all right? This is just 6.30 kicks um i want to get them nebraska at minnesota fs1 penn state at iowa abc usc at notre dame nbc florida lsu seven o'clock espn there's four games boys um all of them all of them juicy in their own right i can't wait for the ratings to come out just to see well who will win do you think between well, it's ESPN versus ABC, so Penn State I will probably rule the night. Do you think so, Trent? I think so, yeah. I think ratings-wise, that's usually the way it turns NBC out. NBC and Notre Dame have a big draw, and they're the same time. Yeah. Not as big as it used to be. Not as big as it used to be, that's fair. But name recognition. Yeah, name recognition. Notre Dame's a national audience. I mean, you know, I, I think, you know, obviously FS1's going to lose the battle. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they're ESPN, I think, I think the Florida LSU game will have a strong showing. Um I don't know how good of a game it's going to be, but I'm with you. Probably ABC wins that. But, yeah, you're right. I mean, four marquee games all kicking within half an hour of each other. Unbelievable. Uh, Trent, let's start with you. Pac-12 takeaway was? How about my Beavers? Yes. Oregon State, they can <laughs> score. It, didn't you? And I already jumped out. They're getting two touchdowns against Utah this week. I've already jumped on the Beavers again this week against a Utah team. That we know is not exactly elite when it comes to offense. They there. were off this week, Utah, correct? Yes. I think they were. Yeah, yeah. So a chance for Moss to get healthy and the rest of that team. And how about Washington losing to this <sighs> Stanford team? I, I I I don't get it. This is, as we talked about with the ACC, the Pac-12, it's not just, this isn't piling on. This is a bad conference. Mm-hmm. It's a fun conference. There's... I mean, there's parity. Evenly matched. Evenly matched, yeah. Well put. Uh, your takeaway on the Pac-12, Bama? Yeah, who wants it? I mean, you mentioned Washington. I really thought, yeah, me too. I, mean, I thought for all the world that, you know, this is the best team. I thought they had the, you know, if not the best quarterback, the second best quarterback, but to go along with that, the best roster. And how you go into Stanford, who is not a juggernaut by any means this year, and you can't put up more than 13 points, um, that's bad. Mm-hmm. I mean, Cal might be the best team in that division. Their defense, I think, is legit. I yep. mean, you hold Oregon to what was it, 17, mm-hmm. whatever it was. 17. I mean, it really too, in Oxen. Yep. Okay. It's too bad that their quarterback is hurt. Um, they might be the best team in that conference, or in that, especially in that division. Maybe, Maybe in the conference. conference. Who knows? Yeah, but they're not going to go anywhere because, you know, their offense is limited. Mm-hmm. But. Um, you know, you, you mentioned UCLA. My God. I mean, come on. I don't understand what's going on there. And, you know, a couple wins, you think, all right, here we go. And then you just, you know, losing to Oregon State is pathetic. But um, I, I don't know. I keep going back to, to who wants it. And i tell you what, the or- Oregon right now, I guess, is, is who they're hanging their hat on. And I got, I got a feeling after what we watched Saturday, uh, I don't. That Auburn loss is going to start looking worse and worse uh, as the year goes along because that team's got probably at least three, maybe four losses ahead of them. Mm. Let's go to the SEC, Bama. We'll start with you. Your takeaway in the SEC was what? The carnage has begun. I mean, we saw two of them going head to head this week, undefeated, top ten. Auburn went down. 
uh, as we call it down here in Alabama, a Malzahn special. Hmm. Um, he comes in with a game plan. When the game plan doesn't work, he has nothing else to go to. He has no plan B. He has no adjustments. He hung that freshman quarterback out to dry in a tough environment, and and it showed. I mean, Bo Nix looked like a freshman. He looked like a true freshman, you know, making his first SC or second SEC road start against a great defense. We talked about it Friday how Dan Mullen, you know, kind of knows what Malzahn's going to run, and, man, it was obvious. And Look, Florida's defense is good, um, but, you know, we're going to get another top ten this week with Florida going to LSU, and I think, you know, LSU's probably going to win that game by 17 points, and, you know, we're just going to keep going from there. So eventually, after all is said and done with all the top tens, it's going to come down to <laughs> LSU at Alabama and probably Alabama versus Georgia, maybe LSU uh, in, in, in the SEC championship game. Indeed. Uh, SEC, Trent? How about Tennessee? Uh, they have the bad. lead late in the second quarter and then <laughs> just uh, miss Blink the of an eye. Give up a touchdown. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to try to score, miss a field goal, give up another touchdown. It just uh, another bad football team. Yeah. Tennessee. Can Tennessee ever be a lead again? Can they win a national championship the way things are currently set? You know, for years, Bama, you know this well, how they recruited down in Georgia and Florida. But with the emergence of the right. Bulldogs, with how good of Florida is and with M- what Mullen's doing, is it realistic for Tennessee to ever be at the level we saw throughout the 80s and, and late 90s? Not unless Peyton Manning comes walking through the door again, or the next Peyton Manning. I mean, that listen. And I guess there is one, by the way, boys. There is Peyton's nephew. Yeah, there might be. What's the non? Was it what's his? What's the what's the other Manning brother? Carson Cooper. 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 I guess his kid is really good. Son. Yeah. But I mean, listen. They've been outscored seventy-seven to seventeen in their two SEC games. And, And listen, against good competition, I get it. I don't, to answer your question, Trent, my answer right now is no, because I don't think Dan Mullen's going anywhere at Florida. I don't think Kirby Smart's going anywhere at Georgia. Tennessee can't find the right coach. Uh, they've been looking forever. Um, the the talent level's not there. The, the freshman quarterback showed a little bit of promise, but listen, unless you get playmakers, I yeah. mean, it's going to be it's going to be really hard. Um, and I don't know. I mean. It's funny because we always talk about elite programs. You, you talk about Tennessee, you talk about Georgia. Georgia's got one national championship, which was almost 40 years ago, 1980, when they had a guy named Walker running, <laughs> you know, running back for them. Tennessee's got one in the last, I don't know, 60 years, and that was, oddly enough, was after Peyton Manning left. Mm-hmm. Uh, T. Martin wins that one. So to call these programs really elite is is almost a little – I don't know, ironic. They're always good. They should be better than what they are. At least Tennessee should be, you would think. But there's only so many players to go around. And, look, until you hit the right coach, doesn't matter. I mean, you can recruit players all you want. And if you're swapping coaches every three or four years, you're running everybody off and starting over. So that's not really a way to for long-term success. Uh, my takeaway was just the, uh, the the dirty hit on on uh, Kelly Bryant. Oh, that was nasty. I hope he's okay. Yeah, sounds was, like he might be bad. okay. Yeah, it looked, looked, yeah. looked terrible. Sounds like, you know, fingers crossed. So that last thing, boys, we've got two minutes left here. Uh, Scott Dockerman coming up at the uh, bottom of the hour from The Athletic. Uh, he was in Ann Arbor. He will uh, opine on that and then look forward to Penn State under the lights. Give me your playoff team, Bama. Who are your top four right now? And then Trent will come to you next. Top four. Wow. Well, okay, my top three are, are pretty easy for me. It's uh, number one's Ohio State. 
just with what they've done, you know, Nebraska, Michigan State the last couple weeks. Not great teams, but certainly not as bad as Ohio State made them look. Number two is Alabama. Uh, the defense we know is a work in progress. But, my God, two in those receivers, I've just never mm. seen anything like it. And if they do get a running game going and if they get some kind of stability on the defense, it's going to be tough. Three is LSU. Their offense, I think, is legit. Yeah. Their defense is a little leaky. Um, and then, I mean, I cannot distinguish between Georgia and Oklahoma. I mean, Oklahoma has just looked that good with Hurts. But who are, who are they really playing? And you start you stop to look at some of those big throws, and there are these little you know bubble screens to to Lamb who takes them seventy yards, and you know, then that those numbers pile on to Hertz's stats. So until he beats a really good defense, which I think he'll see this week, um, not sold. I would probably have to put Georgia in there. That's three SEC teams. Um, Clemson, I think, to me, is just a little bit below there you could throw them in at four if you really wanted to they just haven't shown me enough we talked about the conference Mm -hmm. i mean they just they something's wrong i don't know what it is and whether it's apathy or what but something's just not right right now with that team and i don't know what it is yeah i'm with you bama uh trent very similar i have ohio state one lsu two bama three i guess georgia is my fourth right now well, I think maybe my biggest takeaway in Oklahoma after that is Clemson would be six right now. A lot of seasons still Behind, in front of me. Yeah, that's true. But I'd, ha- I'd have the Tigers, yeah. the reigning national champion at number six. Yeah, I don't have them in my top four either, and I'm with you. I've got Ohio State one, Alabama two, uh, LSU three. I put Oklahoma in there. They've been impressive, but guys, this is their this is their who they've beaten so far: Houston, South Dakota, UCLA, PU, Texas Tech, and Kansas. And Texas yeah. got a bunch of guys out on defense coming up for the Red River shootout. I'll put Oklahoma in there, Georgia five, and yeah, Clemson six. Crazy to think. Yeah, crazy, isn't it? It's, it's just they. I mean, now, listen, Alabama and LSU will settle themselves. Sure. I mean, they'll sort themselves out in a couple weeks, as will probably either whoever wins that game and Georgia. Well, but you know, then we get into the whole debate, guys. I mean, it's the mm-hmm. whole. You get two undefeated SEC teams in that championship game. Are you going to put the loser in? Yeah. Um, I mean, they, we're 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 barreling toward that yep. at the moment. I mean, I don't know if we have got a lot of football to go before we get there, but where we're headed right now. You're 100 percent right, Bama. We will talk to you. Uh, we'll preview just a great, great slate of games great coming up game. this weekend. Oh my gosh! Can't Perfect. wait, Bama. Have a good week, my friend. Thank you. Yep, always, guys. Enjoy. Yep, good to talk to you. Bama Bob talking college football. You can follow him on Twitter. Text CAR to 200-200 right now. Your chance nationally to win $1,000. Text the keyword CAR. Uh, to In this nationwide contest. That was a little cleaner, Trent. Con- yeah, we get, we're getting this thing figured out. Iron it out here in day one. We do. Scott Dockerman joins the program next. We'll uh, recap Iowa and Michigan. Yes, we have to uh, with Scott Dockerman. <laughs> He's coming up next. Before we get out of here, we got four baseball games to take a quick look at, as well as a... I don't know where you are in this Monday Nighter. As I said, I like these matchups you hardly ever see. Right, and this is certainly one of those. <laughs> Cleveland in San Francisco on a Monday night. Yes, please. Miller and Condon till noon. Des Moines Sports Station, 1460. Sports Radio in Iowa starts and ends right here. This is Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO.
Hi, welcome back. Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO programming. Reminder, Cardinal Baseball on the air this afternoon. First pitch is 207. No Murph and Andy today. Likewise, no Fanatics today as the Cardinals will roll right into their show and very unlikely uh, that the boys will have any time to get on the air before the Iowa State Coaches Show uh, airs right here on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. That comes up at 6.30. So no Murph and Andy. Very, very doubtful uh, that the Fanatics will get any time for their show today. But the good news is they're both back tomorrow. Uh, Scott Dockerman joins the program. Scott writes for The Athletic. He joins us to recap uh, Michigan from this past weekend. Take a sneak peek at Penn State. Doc, Trent, and Ken, thanks for coming on, Doc. How are you? You know, I'm doing all right today. It's beautiful weather. Indeed. Uh, came out, so all is well. <laughs> Indeed. Hey, you know what? You took a lot of flack for the legacy uh, comments you put out there when Nate Stanley had an opportunity to... I know exactly what you were saying, Doc. It's his senior year. His team is down. Uh, they're, they're in the big house. It's Michigan. It's Iowa. An opportunity to lead your team down and tie the football game. And that's something, as legacy means, is that's how you'll potentially be remembered. You were right on the money, Doc. And a lot of people didn't like that comments. Yeah, a lot of people are really stupid. I, I'm sorry to say that, but it's true. I mean, this is a legacy-defining drive. It was. You know, he's, da- he's down by a touchdown in the fourth quarter. He's got the ball. He's got an opportunity to win the game or to do exactly what kind of has been done in the past, mm-hmm. which is not put the team in the end zone. And a lot of it, not all of it was on Stanley, but – at, the, at some point, the quarterback has to make a play to win the game, and he didn't do it. And that's kind of his legacy right now. And uh, so I don't know what people seem to think that this is a – and I'm trying to elevate him into some sort of status. I mean, it's just – now it's a definition. You know, he's he's going to have to do this multiple times now to erase this opportunity because in order to be in that upper echelon, we talked about it a lot of different times, uh, he's going to have to win these types of games. And this was a winnable game, and Iowa didn't win it. He didn't help himself, neither did Brian Ferentz, and certainly the offensive line did not either. Well, the good news is that certainly everything is still on the table for Iowa when you look forward, and it starts this week with Penn State. Still can get to Indianapolis, and you want to still think uh, pie in the sky, they can run the table and still get to the college football playoff with the schedule they have. But going to have to be a lot better team than what we saw on Saturday. You mentioned Stanley. I want to go to the offensive coordinator and Brian Ferentz, and this is something that continues to linger. We see the offensive line look completely lost. It was Don Brown completely out-scheming and out-maneuvering anything that Brian Ferentz wanted to do. And you wrote over at The Athletic about running the football. This is a Michigan team that had struggled stopping the run, and it seemed like Iowa just got out of their game plan early and never could find a way. Yeah, I thought this was a excuse me, an arrogant game plan, and Brian Ferentz stuck with it way too long. I think uh, Iowa could have looked at and should have looked at what Wisconsin did, what what even Army did, even though they're, they're so different that it's hard to uh, really go that direction. And, and But that's the type of thing that Iowa can do is put together a running game, stick with it, fight through it. They've done it before. They've done it where people want to bang their head against the wall sometimes, but it, but that's what works for Iowa, especially in games like this, where you just keep pounded at them. Eventually, sometimes it breaks. Eventually, sometimes that play-action pass opens up. Uh, but instead, Iowa got rid of it and got rid of it way too early. It seemed to almost get into a panic mode when they reached the fourth quarter and they were down by a touchdown because they had 20 out of the last 21 uh, 
play calls were passes. Mm-hmm. And only one run call. There was a second one. They just kind of, you know, had uh, Tyler Goodson run ahead for two yards. There's so much more Iowa could have done in its offense. I mean, it reached the 36-yard line six different times in the game. Yet after at that point, uh, there were two interceptions. There were sacks. There were just, uh, you know, it, it was just really a, not a well-called game. And and uh, you know, I afterwards, of course. Iowa fans tend to swing the pendulum more than most fan bases. Of they're great to they suck, and and Brian Ferentz is really in that uh, category right now. That oh, he's learning on the job. He's terrible. Get rid of him. I don't believe that at all. I think he's a really good offensive coordinator, but I just think in this case uh, he put together a plan that wasn't necessarily. You, you had to protect your quarterback. Iowa was not capable of doing that because of either miscommunication up front or players couldn't play. And, and play well enough, and and when you exposed your quarterback eight times to, and then multiple holding calls, I mean it was that's on the offensive coordinator. I'm sorry, that that's a game plan decision that did not work. That failed, and the only the, the one time where he did that and it failed just as spectacularly was at Wisconsin two years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Don Brown. On the other hand, he had a he had a game plan uh, that Brian Ferentz couldn't figure out, and the the defense for Michigan was was on point to say the least. So you mentioned the offensive line, Doc, and and I'm with you. I thought Linderbaum was Linderbaum again. Uh, Werfs didn't do anything to. Uh, you know the, that I would be critical critical of the two guards. You know they they certainly uh, didn't have their best game. And Alaric Jackson, I guess we'll start with Jackson. Was he was he ready to come back, Doc? Because he's better than he showed against Michigan. Yeah, he didn't play real well. He didn't play as poorly as I thought he did after rewatching it. Uh, you know, he gave up one sack early where he kind of missed that. That happens from time to time, and then he had a hold late in the game that was costly, but. You know, he wasn't as bad as I thought he was. Uh, did he come back early? Yeah, probably a little bit. But I think also Iowa gets stuck sometimes in this arrogance of protection that it's one-on-one. And, and when you have a guy like this, we saw it with Brandon Sheriff when he came off uh, his surgery on his knee five years ago. I mean, they're playing Iowa State that next week, and Brandon Sheriff was not Brandon Sheriff. He couldn't move. His knee was incredibly fatigued, yet they still allowed him to go head up against a right defense bend. And that's the same thing with this case where, you know, you've got a guy who's, you know, coming off a knee injury and, and maybe laterally doesn't move as well. You know, and, and tackles and, and guards, they move better forward than backwards, especially if they're hurt. And so in some ways I think, you know, why not run a little more outside zone and, and inside zone and, and get them on their heels a little bit. Then you can play action pass. Then everything's there for you. But instead, I think they put him in a position where, at best, he was mediocre. And I think that's what happened with Allard Jackson. Geno Stone played excellent mm. again. He was outstanding defensively in the back end of things. Uh, we talked a little bit earlier. Ken mentioned just how good he thought Jack Kerner played at times. was really solid in the tackle numbers. I saw a pro football focus. When you look at Geno Stone, though, and the safety play overall for Iowa, as the cornerbacks are going to start to get more healthy, I'm sure we're getting closer and closer to Hankins. Have to feel very good about the back end of that D. You have to, yeah. I mean, other than one play, I mean, they could not have played better against Michigan. I mean, the, my, you know, on deep, really the biggest fear for I had for Iowa was their pass rush wouldn't get to Shea Patterson and their wide receivers would scorch Iowa. Other than one play, and those plays happen from time to time in games because the other team's pretty good too, uh, they played outstanding football. And Geno Stone 
uh, has, has become the next great Iowa defensive back. Mm-hmm. You know, whether he gets the accolades that the others did, I don't know. But I tell you what, you know, he is the rock-solid glue of this defense because he's able to, to make key tackles in space. He's able to, you know, intercept passes. He's got people in, in places. He gets hurt and comes back right back in. He seems to have every game. Um, there, He is the MVP right now if I was to list one for Iowa as a whole you know, five games through the season. So uh, Iowa needs to make sure they put him in bubble tape <laughs> through the week. But uh, Jack Kerner played really well, too, and I think he's earned that position. You know, he got there because of injury early, but I think he's the guy. So I think their safety combination, they will get tested this week, but I also think that they're pretty good right now. Uh, you know, what do you make of Penn State, Doc, as we as we uh, look forward to this uh, to this Saturday night? Penn State's uh, their last two games they outscored their two Big Ten opponents 94 to 7. But it was Maryland uh, in this last week against a banged up Purdue team. Clifford is good. They're running the football. They got a stout defense. We knew that coming in. It was the offense that we had questions about. What do you see in Franklin's team? You know, this is a team that's uh, that's uh, you know it's hard to figure out a little bit, but I think they are they're incredibly talented. I would say outside of Ohio State, they're the most talented team in the league, uh, for man for man, and that's a credit to James Franklin and his recruiting over the last several years. He's really taken Penn State to where it should have been all along, uh, but kind of faded under the late last few years of the Paterno era. And, and you know, I think Clifford's a, a really good quarterback. How great? I don't know. I guess we'll see him against better competition coming up. And then, uh, likewise, you know, they've got kind of a four-headed monster at running back, and they're all very talented. Noah Kane's probably the best of the bunch. You know, so they're going straight from uh, Saquon Barkley to Miles Sanders to now having four really talented running backs. So I think this offense is capable of competing. The one thing with Clifford, unlike, uh, you know, McSorley, is he's not necessarily the runner. So Iowa has a chance to kind of get after them a little bit more. Uh, but still, uh, they, they they present a heck of a challenge. Then, you know, the other side is, you know, they were the one team, you know, in the regular season last year that was able to really attack Iowa, you know, in the pass rush. And, and they still have those pass rushers. I mean, Gross Matos is as good He's as a pro. the Big Ten. Yep. Yeah, so they got to be careful of that. that that's going to be, an, an, you know, I think this is where, they earn that money that they make on the, on the coaching staff because they're going to have to get them right because this is a better team than what they played on Saturday. Mm-hmm. Certainly uh, a lot of grumbling inside of the Hawkeye fandom out there right now. It's a night game, Penn State coming in, Stripe Stadium. What do you expect the environment to be? And if things go south offensively early, those Boo Birds going to come out? Yeah, they always do. And, and I, I, I guess you know it's still a little bit raw now. Once you get to about Wednesday, I mean, you'll put Michigan in the rearview mirror and everybody will look ahead, and then they'll say, all right, it's, it's going to be a little bit of a chill in the air. It's Iowa football, Stripe Stadium, gold uniform. Uh, you know, you're, you're celebrating the 2019. There's going to be so many positives that I think that, you know, they'll be pretty hyped, and I think this will be an electric environment the way it has been in the past. It's just, uh, yeah, I mean, the, the Boo Birds are going to be there, but, you know, that, that, that won't make a lot of sense to me. Um, because oh, yeah, Penn State's got a good team. Yes, I mean, this is do. a very low-scoring game. So, you, you know, you got to ride ride or die with your team sometimes. And, you know, even if it's 7-3 to three in the third quarter, you're, you're going to have to, you know, sweat it out. Now, if they decide to pass 20 times in a row and there's eight sacks, <laughs> then I think you've got a chance to, to get after them. But 
I don't think that'll be part of the game plan this week. What do you got coming up? What's your game plan at the Athletic, Doc? You know, today I kind of went back and looked through their second down woes, which was I think was the pivotal down and uh, what they had. And that's where six of the eight sacks came and two of the interceptions. And just really uh, their their second punch in each series never seemed to work. And, and uh, you know, late, I think tomorrow I'm, I'm going to write a lot about Nate Stanley, that this is his, his chance. He has to take this step forward or he's kind of relegated to that second tier in Iowa history because, you know, he's had a lot of really big wins. He's had a lot of wins. Has a lot of statistics, but you know you kind of have to push through and get a couple of big wins and lift your team and elevate them to a higher level. And we haven't quite seen that yet out of Mister Stanley. Another opportunity to work on that legacy, perhaps. You were right, Doc. You really were. I knew exactly what you were saying, and you talk a lot of arrows for it. But maybe had the game turned out differently, everybody. Well, of course they would have been on your side. Scott Dockerman from the Athletic, <laughs> Doc. Great to talk to you. We'll talk to you next week. Appreciate it. All right. Thanks, guys. Appreciate the time. Thank you. Scott Dockerman from The Athletic. Yes, second down, he points out, was a bugaboo, to say the least. Six sacks and two uh, INTs on second down. Maybe would have made a little bit more sense to run the football there. What a good thought, Trent mm. Condon. We'll come back and wrap Tyler up Goodson. the program. He's the guy. You know, if you ask Doc, I'm sure he would have yeah. been on uh, with us. You mentioned Sargent, who's still solid, but he clearly looks spooked, I thought, to me, too. After that fumble early on, he didn't have the yeah. same intensity he had run with earlier in the season. Very tentative. Because that was not a part of his game this no. year. As a, In his first year, last yeah. year it was. This year, at least early. You're right, good point. The fumble probably uh, got uh, got to him a little bit between the years. We'll come back, wrap it up. Mr. Monday Night's got an appearance oh, 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 to make. Oh, oh, oh. He's coming off a of 5-0 in our picks. 9-1 um, and one in the last two weeks. Mr. Monday Night will opine before we get out of here. No more Fernandi at 2. No Fanatics today cardinal baseball game four win or go home for the redbirds you can hear it here on des moines sports station 1460 com. des moines sports station 1460 kxno all right miller and condon final couple of minutes here number 50 monday night football a staple in American television on the airwaves tonight, live from San Francisco. Well, it's not San Francisco. Santa Clara. Santa Clara. South of San Francisco. I thought it was north. I don't know why. Oh, really? I always thought it was north. But it's not, because I was there, and it is definitely south of San Francisco. Anyways, uh, the Cleveland Browns, San Francisco 49ers, number is 5, Mr. Monday Night. He, he's ready. He's ready to get back to 500 on a Monday Night Picks this year, 2-3 and three on the season. I've been on the Browns going back to last week when this number came out. All the way back? Oh, I got you. Yeah, when the numbers came out, I saw it was three and a half. And now this point spread continues to move. The 49ers. Pretty good, Trent. Are now a five-point favorite. Mr. Monday Night's going to do something he's never done before. He is going to relent on the pick he had all throughout the week. Don't change it. No? It'll come back to bite you. All right, the Brownies plus the five. You talked me back into it. Mr. Monday Night was about to go. I, I know exactly what you're thinking. And then you're sitting there and you're watching the game, and you had the game, and you had it right, and something changed with the points. yourself out of it. We're staying with the Browns. And now we're getting free points here. Five now. A handful number. of them. All right, so let's do this. We've got four series that could all end tonight. Mm-hmm. How many of them do? Well, the Twins are clubbed. Twins. So the Twins pack up the equipment for the year. Oh, the, yeah. Tampa, likewise? 
Granky Charlie Moore. That's a pretty good matchup. It's oh pretty good God. matchup. That start first pitches in ten minutes, and you don't get quite the money maybe you'd anticipate with the Rays here. Plus one twenty five is all. Well, because the Astros are in the other dugout. Well, and, but they're minus 140 is all. I, I think I'd probably take a shot with Granky here at that number. Yeah. He's their game three starter. Think, and is that, and is that because about that. Is that because he's thrown recently? No. He's the third best. Yeah, they got two others that are better. Uh, crazy. All right, do the so Cardinals American League's play over. on? So the American League is done. National League. Braves get them. The Braves get them. So it's down to the uh, Natties and, I mean, Give me, give me Scherzer. Give we'll, me Scherzer. We'll, get, we'll get a game five there. That will be it, though. Mm-hmm. So we will be no baseball on Tuesday. Back to L.A. on Wednesday. On Wednesday. What time will they put that game, do you believe? Well, right now it's scheduled for 7.37 Central, which would be 5.37. And that's what they've done out there in the they past. Have, yeah. And they're playing an East Coast team, even as opposed to uh-huh. a Central team. If this was the Brewers... It'd probably be pushed back maybe a touch more. Maybe. But because, I mean, you're talking 837 first, first pitch out there uh-huh. in the East Coast. And because of that, it'll probably, I think you're right, it'll stay 737 our time for that one. I so, hope we get a game five. Oh, I do too. I don't want these things to end. I mean, this baseball's sadly coming to an end. October's really good. Well, look, we still got a lot of baseball, a lot of days to, till before we decide this thing and crown our World Series champion, but... Let's get some of these series going the distance. Cardinals have a chance to extend the series back to Atlanta today. If they don't, they go home. Uh, you can hear the game here. First pitch is a 207. That means there's no Murphinati. There is also no Fanatics for the third straight day. Uh, the morning rush is back tomorrow morning at 6. We'll join the fray at 10. Thanks for being here. Cardinal baseball at 2 for Trent Condon, Ken Miller. We're Miller and Condon on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KX.